You can try one more time if you want. No, it's fine. Okay. Um. Yeah, I feel like they're the claps are more useful for my audio editing experience. It's a lot more useful from like a visual perspective of just like where in the hell do they line up, and then like once you've got like a gross alignment, you pretty much have to just listen to it and like make it not. What in the hell? Oh, they just they knocked over their um their scratching post. I swear to God, it sounded like someone just jumped through my window in like hobnail boots. <laughs> That was terrifying. I thought I had a home invasion. Welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. It's the podcast where we read Homestuck. I was gonna do it perfectly, Lydia. You ruined it. I'm sorry. Somebody I was gonna had do to it. it. I was gonna do it that time. I you were, I I thought that you were leaving me an opening to jump in. Welcome I'm Alex. to the Hamsteak Podcast where I can't do anything right. And I haven't read Hamsteak before. And I'm Lydia, and I hmm, super you know, have saying that I super have. <laughs> My feelings about that statement vary week to week. You want to just redo that? No. Oh. No, we're off our game, and we should be transparent about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, what's up? It's the shitty time of year. It's the shitty bad time. Hop aboard the bad times train. This is this is um. Oh damn! You know what? I think it might be just about exactly a year since we started this thing. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, Let me check. Okay. I you can fill in. While I'll just I'm... keep talking. Um, yeah, we're both super busy right now. Um, Lydia got some cats. Uh, I am in hell. <laughs> You know, can can, can you elaborate people. on that? No. <laughs> um, but and yeah, I feel I I feel like we haven't recorded in a month. I know, and we recorded last week, didn't we? No, we didn't. Oh, right, we skipped that weekend. Yeah, we've sort of gotten to the pace of busy where every, you know, we're lucky if we can do every two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we're just which we're sorry about. It's gonna, yeah. It gets better. It does. It does. I mean, like, this is how it was last year. Um, Hammiversary? Oh, I think we've actually passed it. I'm trying to remember. Let me check the exact date that we posted our first one. Hamsteakpodcast.libson.com. I actually have, I think, the previous episode marked as our Hammiversary, but... <laughs> Oh no, it's this, it's actually, excuse me, it's next episode, but it was the one originally slated to come out this week on account of, we have missed a bunch on account of, it just, it just keeps happening. Just like, if you follow me on Twitter, like, you know, <laughs> like, it just you know, keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So it has been, it is, we are three days shy of a year doing this wow. fucking thing. Jesus. I know. I know. I can't believe like, we keep, like, remembering to do it. Like, I mean, I know, like, there's certain weeks when we don't release episodes, but, like, every week there's, like, this, like, if there's no episode, there's, like, a very sad, guilty text message exchange between Alex and I. It's just, like, uh, do you have any good times to do this? Because I don't think I really have any good times to do this. We maybe post one until next week. I don't really know. I feel really bad, but, ah. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um. So there's been... An epilogue to Homestuck. 
in the past couple weeks. Did you read it? No, I I didn't. Okay. Of course, I can't. Well, not really an epilogue, more like credits, basically, apparently. Oh. Like a credit sequence. Aww. Like a bring it all in, guys. <laughs> um, and apparently it was really sweet. Uh, yeah, I bet. So, looking forward to reading that in a year and a half. Uh, I hope we get to it in a year and if a half. <laughs> optimistically, yeah. Oh my gosh. No, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to just, like, buckle down this summer. Just, like, grind it out. Yeah. I'm excited about this episode, actually. Like, the wheels are kind of starting to... Okay, that's turn. good, because I forget how to do this. How Can do you start us off? How, yeah, how, how do we talk about this podcast? <laughs> how do we talk about Homestuck? Um, we pretty much run down a little summary for you guys with our attendant feelings about the subject matter, which are numerous, although events have been accelerating in pace to the, to the effect that there's so much to talk about. I don't know. Keep so, going. What? So let's, uh, <laughs> let's jump into it. We, um, we're reading pages 48, 42 through, I want to say 49, 49 44. 44. Yeah. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff in these hundo pages, hundo, hundo and deuce pages. There's a lot of some important plot points that I mostly just want to hear Alex's reaction to, actually. <laughs> okay. I remember. Th- or And there's also, like, an answer to a question that, like, I thought was, like, really confusing, but then completely forgot that was just literally answered in the direct text of the comic in great detail this week. You remember okay. last week when I was like, why the heck did Briska put John to sleep? I don't remember. And she, like, will tell you. So, right. Let's go. All right, so... So we start off with, um, we're back with the future desert friends, mm-hmm. and um, they are all looking up at the fourth station, which is the Beckhead. Which has just plopped down atop the frog ruins with the sound effect, dog! Yeah, and this prompts uh, WV to, like, very kind of laboriously... Uh, draw connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks down at the pumpkin that has like a back head outline on it, and he's like, "Wait a second! Like, let me think really hard about this." Oh, those are the same thing. He and then well, but this is this is the same guy who like oh, yeah, ate he's a like delicious a, he's, chunk of uranium. He's a simple. He's a simple lad. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also like a, an NPC designed to do one thing. He's trying his best. <laughs> um. So that prompts him to to make another connection, which is um, a memory of the boy he saw on the battlefield when he got his ring, uh, and the boy on the monitors in his station, and he realizes that John equals John, as you put in the notes. John double equals, showing strict equality as opposed to less than equals, or an assignment operator, because I've been... John... <laughs> Code. It's a code joke. Do you get it? I get it. Yeah. It's code. Uh, John is the windy one, he says. Mm-hmm. The windy boy. And uh, then he goes through a little recap. He sees um, he sees John's dream self floating over him. 
And uh, he thinks to himself, this is, you know, past WB, and he's thinking, hmm, he's definitely a thief, or at least an apprentice of a master thief. Right. Um, which is, uh, I thought it was just like a throwaway uh, gag, but that turns out to be like the theme of this reading. Yep. <laughs> um, I do think that's just, very elegant. Yeah. Uh, and this is just after he found like the the royal ring. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's protective of it. And then this stranger disappears into thin air because John wakes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is still in the middle of the ocean. Which is on fire. Which is on fire. Because it's an oil ocean. Mm-hmm. An oil shin. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we zoom out again and he's back on WV's screen. Which is just kind of like... This entire sequence is a loop. It's a loop? Oh, yes, it is a loop. Don't you love it? Hamstack, am I right? Hamstack. Hamstack, yeah, that's what I said. Um, so, WV uh, starts typing again, talking to John, and he brushes up on his human etiquette, uh, which is really funny dialogue um a lot of a lot of kind sir and yeah good boy john <laughs> and uh but john isn't listening to him because he's being talked at by uh friska he uh, is and i thought he was talking to rose he's rose, talking to sorry, rose, rose. Rose first. Yeah. But he's not going to he got a whole see. litany to go through. So he's, he's talking to Rose at this point in time. It's a conversation that we just witnessed. Um, right. Where he's like, hey, Rose, you're, you're spooking me out. And she's like, yep. <laughs> and... And then he talks to Friska, uh, which WV does not want him to do. No, he, he wants him to talk to Jade very much because Jade is very nice. Yeah, and, the nice one, uh, the green text one. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also wants him to talk to Carcat, even. But uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want him to talk to Carcat. Oh, he does not. He wait. So uh, oh, I think Carcat was talking to, to John as well. That was another right. conversation that we just saw and that WV is now observing. Yeah, and he's he says no, you shouldn't talk to that stupid gray text human. And then the narration says that's not a human, and he's like, well, you should not talk to that stupid gray text not human. He's very straightforward um, in his parlance. Yeah. And then he calls John the stupid windy boy. Um, which we learn is for good reason, because, um, well, we'll see it in a second, because first John has to have a long conversation with uh, Riska. But before we see that, we have to see uh, WV make a terrible mistake, which is to, uh, in in an effort to be a little more emphatic, he... Hits the caps lock button, which just slams a giant um, door down over the opening to his base, and he can't uncaps lock it, so he's just kind of stuck. Yeah. Whoops. Uh. So now we go to John's perspective, and he is being messaged by Friska. As a bunch of green fire sort of encroaches on his little tiny baby rock. Uh-huh. 
Um, and there's just these kind of like very visually striking panels uh, zooming in on him. And then with this like, this image of Riska's face like in the fire with John silhouetted in front. And it's just like super imagery. It's very imagery. There's a lot of imagery happening here. This is, I don't want to say this is where the art really picks up because it's not, but like the art has picked up by this point and it's just like this comic is consistently like gorgeous to look at. Yeah, the, there's, as like we see in this reading, like we saw in the past couple, that there's a lot of like uh, shots of the more detailed art style instead of like the sprites. Right. The, the what's called hero mode, when they're just okay, actually drawn yeah. in a realistic way. Right. Yeah, hero mode. I like that. Wasn't me, it was the fandom, I think. Mm-hmm. Or was it Hussy? I'm not sure. It's always kind of hard to tell things like that to sort of emerge. They basically collaborated on this comic. Mm-hmm. Especially in the post-Cascade times. Hmm. So, we'll get to those. We'll get to those. Oh man, those are going to turn into like half, you know... Idea, idea channel dissection of a fandom and half recap podcast. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be real. Oof, I'm going to have to do a lot of legwork. But anyway, yeah. so so Vriska is um, surprisingly straightforward in a really disgusting way. Yeah. Um, she uh, tells him straight up that she put him to sleep and that that seems to be the limit of her power over humans, uh, and he's like, well, you have other powers usually? And she's like, yeah, it's awesome, I can tell people what, I can control people. And he's like, huh. He does not love that. And then she just straight up tells him, like, she's like, why would you put me to sleep, uh, at such a difficult time? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I want you to be a hero, and I want to be responsible for it, so I have to take away all of your advantages first. So then- Yeah, I have to- (laughs) I have to challenge you so that you'll become the great hero. Uh, I already know you're going to become a great hero, so I want to be the one who's responsible for it. Yeah, doesn't this sound... So it sounds... It's sort of sort of like a mirror image of, of how she used to talk to Tavros, where instead of, you know, you're worthless and I have to make something of you, it's you're going to achieve greatness and I have to be the one that gets you there. And it's... Oh, it's like still really repulsive. And, and John sort of finds himself... Strung along, which I like on first glance kind of seems naive, but then when you really think about like when you're in situations like that, you kind of don't immediately turn on people like ever. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think he makes his discomfort really clear, right? Um, like, I mean, first of all, he's like, well, you know, that was kind of you made a big mistake because uh, you put me to sleep. Right as I was gonna like make, like prototype the colonel with like a useless blue doll, uh, and instead Beck got prototyped, and she's like, "Yeah, I know." Uh, and she's like, "Well, uh, like I like Nick. He's already here." Is basically what she says. Um, oh yeah, she she has him. She wants him to repeat it like a mantra. He's already here. He's already here. Which who have we heard that terminology used for a whole bunch? The, uh, the demon. Yeah. Right. Um, but she's like, like, there's no way to stop 
the outcome of your game, so I might as well be the one who's responsible for it. Because right. I want to be the one who kills... Because I will be the one who kills Jack. Yeah, and so, so yeah, so she makes these two big claims, which is, one is that um, I want to be the one who creates Jack because I'm going to be the one who kills him, and I had to make everything that just happened happen, because if it didn't, like, I saw that already in Trollian, right? She, she watched the whole thing unfold before she instigated it, and she her logic, which, like, this is sort of the eerie, like, the, the whole, like, you're going to be a hero and I have to make you that hero by taking everything away from you first, it's just abuser talk but the whole it already happened so i had to make sure it would happen so that we didn't splinter off the timeline and doom ourselves is pretty sound logic i mean she's operating in an information vacuum out of megalomania but like it's essentially what dave's doing too yeah it's also the opposite of what aradia is doing which is trying to uh, extricate herself entirely from any choice. Right. I thought you were about to say, like, that Aradia is actually trying to, like, reverse it. And, and I was really like, that's not true. But, but you're oh, yeah. right. She's not. She knows it's inevitable. And so she just wants to remove herself from it, if that's right. possible. Like, you know, you and can't she... escape by acting, but you can try to escape by inaction. Right. And so, but the thing is that they're both doing what they were going to do. Uh-huh. It, because time. Um, because time. This being paradox space. And it's really, I don't know, it's kind of cool to watch all of these people flailing about trying to negotiate free will. Yeah. And it's just like, what really struck me about this was that it's really telling about Riska's character that she uh, wants to be the one who orchestrates things that she already knows are going to happen. So it's this kind of, like, very safe way of making herself feel important. Ooh. Like, she's not taking a risk at all. She She's just, like, putting herself... Like, she's putting herself on the throne after the entire castle is empty or something. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, man. That is really true. I think that's interesting, because you're right. She doesn't... She plays it very safe, I guess, and and it, in ways that feel very dramatic because she has, like, yeah, time control powers part, and stuff, but she plays it very safe. Part of that is, like, her confidence, uh, which is, like, very um, high surface level. Oh, um, uh, yeah. It's sort of all-encompassing. Yeah, but it's just, like... Not thoroughly considered. Not thoroughly considered is a good way to put it. Yeah, John's... I think I think it's John. Um, straight up calls it hubris. No. Somebody calls somebody out on their hubris, right? Probably. Um, what John says to uh, Briska about this plan to kill Jack is, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, she calls her... Or sorry, he calls him... He calls her uh, cocky and nefarious. Yeah, which, like, that's a sick and incisive burn. Yeah, and then she, like, makes a heart at him. Mm-hmm. So, this is a great relationship. It's gross! Well, it's really gross, because... So, he's telling her, like, this is a really terrible idea, and she says, I'm the most powerful... She basically, she literally says, I'm pretty sure I'm the most powerful troll. And also, right, is... I have all... I literally have all of the luck. Nothing can go wrong. Right. Which is interesting, because she had terrible luck last time we checked. 
Yeah, we don't know what's happened to give her all of this luck. Um, and John acted, John says, and I quote, you sound pretty cocky. You should be careful about that. That is totally how people have big time downfalls, especially when they act kind of nefarious. Yeah. Which she just totally brushes off. And, um, and then she sort of, you know, ASCII hearts him and signs off. And then he is trying to like sort of yell after her. And he keeps trying to do the whole, like, not eight repeated characters, but nine just to get her. And he like fails once and then like accidentally does eight again like he keeps doing eight and it's like she's like worming her way into his brain mm -hmm. and it's like oh it's gross like a parasitic spider egg it's gross and it's gross because like you also get these little like little glimmers of humanity well you know what i mean by humanity from her where like she gets a big crush on nick cage when she sees the conair <laughs> thing so relatable well, like, it's cute. It's like, it's a genuinely yeah. cute moment. And then, oh yeah, she's a, this heinous, manipulative monster. Like, do you remember that time she literally tried to murder, like, the kid she'd been abusing for months? Like, oh, don't like her. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, a, she's a mess. Yeah, she's a real, but it, like, I guess it more sort of casts light on the fact that she's not even so much, like... I mean, she, like, I don't know, I feel like evil is always, like, a meaningless thing, but she's, like, she's just, like, such a disaster as a person. Yeah. Like, be, oh, so, so, anyway, meanwhile, uh, WV, uh, so John may not be paying attention to the encroaching green flame, but WV 100% is, and is mashing on his keyboard with caps lock on, demanding that he do the windy thing, make it windy and gusty, make it swirly, like trying to describe it as many ways as he can, and John is doing his, like, I don't know, like, seesaw hands. Mm -hmm. um, and he just doesn't do it until he does. Yeah, he just, then there's a new panel, and then, uh, do the windy thing, do the windy thing, do the windy thing. John suddenly does the windy thing. Yeah. And, uh, it's, tell me what you thought about that. I mean, your your note here is that you think I'm gonna not like it because it's a Deus Ex Machina hero power thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I didn't really think of it that way. I just thought of it as kind of like the almost like he went into the Avatar state or something, uh, like self protection. Right. I guess. I guess it was entirely flavored by Avatar because he was doing like a cyclone. <laughs> yes. To protect himself. Yeah. It just felt like a very, like, instinctive, un like, sub subconscious, like, yeah, instinct taking over. And just, like, so what it does is he makes this enormous cyclone that puts out the entire fire. Like, on the entire planet, you watch it, like, blowing away clouds of smoke over the whole globe from space. It's very beautiful. Right. Um, which, okay, and I also think it's interesting that you're talking about it being instinctive, which, like... So just, like, there's this interesting, you know, conversation about what is free will and what does that mean when you've got things like an alpha timeline and people who know the entire sequence of events already and time travel. Um, so sort of analogous to that is also this, this whole, like, what is instinct and what's your exile talking to you, right? Because unless you're... Um, we've seen the seer characters sort of be cognizant of, like, the actual voice speaking to them. We've seen Therese and Rose both be able to, like, hear it. But 
um, everybody else is just kind of like, I suddenly feel compelled to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't know how much of it is just John's self-preservation instinct, how much of it is WV inducing him and whether that even, whether that distinction even means anything. Right. Um, then Briska hits him up with a fly pupa fly and I puke a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Poor taste. Really bad taste. John says, who's pupa? And she goes, oh, it's just what I used to call some loser. I throw up a little bit in my mouth. So back on Durst, uh Rose is still asleep and glowing black, which is concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dave is watching over her, uh, reading a book from her dream library. Uh, and this book is uh, Dream Bubbles by Charles Dutton, who we've seen before. Uh referred to as, like, a luminary poet. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually sure who Charles Dutton is. Hang on. Google. Hold but, hold the heck up. Charles Dutton. I'm 90% sure I know who this is. Oh, wait. Isn't he, is he the uncle from Fresh Prince? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. It actually looks like he is not the person I thought he is. So, uh, he's best known for his roles as Fortune in the film Rudy. Dylan in Alien 3, and the title role in the television sitcom Rock. Literally never seen any of those, and I've only ever heard of Alien 3. Yeah, I think that's kind of the idea, is he just wanted to pick someone that was, like, so obscure that, uh... Right. You know? Uh, yeah, and we get this, a great, um... Oh my god, he was in prison for possession of a deadly weapon? Oh. I just saw the word manslaughter? Wait. <laughs> Hold on. When he was 17, he got into a fight which re- resulted in the death of a man Dutton claimed had attacked him. Dutton was charged and convicted of manslaughter, and he spent the next seven years in prison. Citation needed. Okay. Like, but um, I buy it. Sure, I don't... I'm I not trying don't. to slander this guy. I just, like, I kind of buy it. I just have no connection to this man. I mean, like, um, now I do. Like, the, he just, like, he got in a fight. He's probably just trying to defend himself, but... Uh, anyway, anyway, so... We, so we get a, a callback to the classic Homestuck joke of misattributed poetry. Yep. Uh, and this is a poem about God, uh, like, God's forge in frost. Um, and it looks like a Whitman poem to me, but... I'm not sure exactly. So the only thing that's a ripoff in that poem is the last line, which is literally, oh, that this flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve into a dew, or whatever it is, which I believe is Shakespeare. Okay. I believe so it's it from is, a Shakespeare sonnet. It is an original hussy writing then. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, wow, this Walt Whitman poem is extremely relevant to Jade's entire deal. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, no, it's just done. I did go through it, and I, I definitely think it's sort of written with an eye to poetic meter, though it doesn't yeah. quite have its own meter. Um, I'm gonna... It's also not, yeah. What? It, yeah, it's it's not quite, like, up to snuff. Yeah, it's a it, little... It does make sense. It does make sense that it's an original work. Yeah. Um, quasi, quasi-misattributed poem, but really just a original creation with a cribbed... Shakespeare line stuck onto the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that leads us into a flash 
where we see Jade's planet. Mm-hmm. And it's the land of frost and frogs. And it's delightful. It's really beautiful. I, like, I got chills watching Yeah, there's it. this really, like, uh, seasonal music going on. Uh, and we get these kind of panning shots of different scenes. We see that the frogs are frozen in ice. Um, and there's snow-covered forests with blooming red flowers and purple hummingbirds. Uh, and there's uh, Jade's house with the glass of the greenhouse shattered, and so there's snow all over all of her stuff. And it's and there's Jade uh, floating on her bed with a little bit of snow on her head. You you did a rhyme there. That was a good rhyme that you just did. It was good. Bed and head. The classic rhyme. You did, you did good there. Um, yeah, it's a really quiet and nice <laughs> flash. And uh, frogs, huh? Frogs. Yeah, those might be important. Yeah. Oh, and so, yeah, so the, the, the flash is a pretty literal... Like the poem seems really cryptic, cryptic, and then you you check it out and uh, in the flash, and it's you know God's forging frost. I mean, like, well, okay, there sure is a volcano covered in snow there, yeah. and uh, a bunch of green stuff also covered in snow, and uh, you know the waker sleeps. Yeah, there's Jane. Yeah. She's sleeping. <laughs> Um, so it's pretty literal. And, uh, frogs, boy, those sure are, I don't know, hated by the Black Queen and the entire troll universe. Those sure are significant in some way that we don't quite know yet. Yeah, they're and kind I of wonder a... what I wonder what will happen if these frozen frogs thaw out. Yeah. I wonder if that will be a significant event. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, you have no idea. Well, I have some idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> so now we get a flashback, uh, while Jade's asleep mm-hmm. to... Uh, her working on her cyborg rabbit for John when she gets a message from Feffery, uh, which is really nice, except that Feffery uses the Arsler, which, which is completely It's totally out of character, yeah. And so we've been, like, I make note of it every time it happens, but, like, we often will leave it out of the episode that it even because, happened cause because it's kind it's of a just, bummer. It happens so many times now. Like, it's been getting more frequent. Yeah, it kind of has. I think it didn't used to be every episode, but now that we're dealing with a you know a species that is categorically vitriolic, yeah. Now they're all bandying it around, and it's like even the nice one. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Feppery is even the one who throws around. Um, somebody throws around autistic like it's a slur. I think it might actually be Jade later, and it's just like. Have no, you it's, met these uh, characters? I think it's Dave, I think. Dave? Okay. I mean, it's just like, do you do you have to? Do we gotta yeah. really? Anyway. Anyway. Um, so they're having what seems to be their first conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that Jade remembers that she had already asked Feffery to not use her typing quirk. Um, and they realize that They've already had this conversation, and it they are remembering something, and then it turns out that they're in a dream and a memory brought to life by a witch. Mm-hmm. 
They're in a dream bubble out in the furthest <laughs> ring, which is where you go when your dream self is dead. Right, except that Feffery is not asleep. And she's actually in the room with Jade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Feffery is dead. Yeah, we take a closer look at her, and uh, so this mysterious, you know, gray-skinned, very sharp-toothed girl with horns that just appeared in your bed uh, has, there's nothing in her eyes. They're like blank mm-hmm. white orbs, and she's she's showing you all of her pointy teeth, and uh, she says, because, stupid, I'm dead, as in that's why I can be here. And isn't that just what you want to see? Yeah, but also it just, like, kind of drives home the point that death doesn't really mean anything to these ki- to these characters. Because, mm. like, every character can die three different times and still be around. Where are you getting the number three from? That was arbitrary. Okay. <laughs> that was... Okay. That was, uh... Hyperbole. Okay. Well, I mean, depends on your... Yeah. Depending on your on your definition of death. So then Jade wakes up. Yeah. And she gets out of bed, and she's waist-deep in snow. <laughs> uh, and, and then smiling. there's a... Yeah. Rather blithely. Uh, and then there's an imp behind her, and it is uh, very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's a uranium imp, and it is has Beck powers. Mm-hmm. So we get another flash, uh, which, in which we are uh, aggrieving this imp, and clicking on it to shoot it, and then every time we do, it teleports uh, Jade and the bullet away. Uh, And there's a bunch of different scenes that we teleport through, including all the other planets. Um, And the last one that we get is right beside Sleeping Dave, uh, who is woken up by this gunshot right beside his head, (laughs) and looks just in time to see Jade disappear. Hang on a second. Why are you crying, baby? Why are you crying? I fed you already. You ate. Get off of my... You're just trying to spend time with me. I think what happened is they have, like, a couple of favorite toys, and I think, like, all of the favorite ones have gotten stuck under furniture, and I don't know what furniture, because it happened when I was out of the house. So, I'm just stuck now, and Miss Phoebe is here, occupying... Do I sound different? Because she's between me and my microphone now. I don't think so. Okay. Well, Phoebes, don't walk on the keyboard, okay? Just don't do that. And then we're, we're cool, we're kosher. Look at your little feet. Your little tiny feet. Alex hey, says Phoebes. hi. You can't hear him, but he says hi. From far away, he says hello. Hello. Um... And who's next? Oh boy! Oh, it's a it's a convention, guys. What do you want? You gotta. Oh my God. <laughs> you gotta. If you need to go take care of them. No, they don't need anything. They're just coming to say hi. They always do this while I'm like here working. They just come and take up space. But <laughs> oh my goofless! All right, I think I can keep talking. Okay, um, you just either you or the cat just deleted some of my text. <laughs> It was the cat. Uh, Just controls edit. Okay, so the important note that we got rid of is that, um, well, okay, so let's talk about how the bulk of this flight plays out. Flight, you know, across the Atlantic. Uh, There's a fight that plays out. 
Which well, is... I just described it. Oh, where there's the teleporting all over the place? Yeah. Oh. So it ends with uh, Beck appearing and uh, Nuclear exploding the imp. Yep. Which miraculously doesn't uh, harm Jane at all and instead causes her to level up on a really adorable Eshel ladder with uh, uh, ranks including Dream Teen and uh, Blow Sack Scalawag. As... And Lil Curie. <laughs> Which is just such a nice little... It's so, so on brand for Jade. Mm-hmm. Lil Curie. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Um. So Jade's like, hey, now that you're... Uh... I was about to say Lucis. Now that you're a sprite, uh, you can talk, can't you, Beck? Uh, and then he faces the camera, and there's a uh, chat log, and it's just a bunch of gifs of like pulsating green static, uh, and then a picture of Jade uh, with a very very wide eyes. Uh, not able to comprehend this, which is pretty funny. Yeah, she basically uh, she's basically hearing the surface of the green sun, and she's got like these big, wide, blown out eyes, and uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and so she just uh, she just thinks to herself, um, "You're gonna try to keep conversations with Beck Sprite to a minimum from here on." Out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and later she said, uh, "So." Um, he teleports her to the foyer, which is empty now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, why is this empty? Who's been a bad boy? Who's been a bad boy? Oh, wait, don't answer that. <laughs> yeah, which must be difficult for her, because he's been the only person she could really talk to out loud, kind of her yeah. whole life. Yeah. Then, uh, watching all of this sort of go down through the terminal is PM. Right. Who tries to talk to Jade and says, you know, don't I know you? You look really familiar. And Jade's sort of shaking her head. And uh, the narration warns PM that you might not want to uh, keep talking to this person. But Beck has already caught on. He's kind of unhappy that, that PM is meddling. And her terminal catches on with, like, crackling yellow electricity and then just blows up. The entire side of her station just blows out. Right. And this this seems to be the same... Like, this is in the past when she was trying to communicate with him, with Jade, and it blew up. Because it only blew up the one time. Yeah. That's, it happens right after, oh, we saw it blow up, but we didn't know why. No, we saw it blow up, and we, like, we knew it was because of Beck. Um, but it seems like she was trying to talk to Jade at different times on points in the timeline. I think it was WV that was trying to talk to her the first time because he had the side of his console blown out and then, because I remember when it locked, a big wall clinked down in front of the hole. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess... And he wasn't trying to talk to Jade. It was something about the... um... Well, there was a hole in PM's station too. Because there was a worm. Yes. Coming into it. Yep. And the mailbox flew out of it. Yeah. Anyway, that was many thousands of pages ago. Mm-hmm. Basically, PM's station blows up. Um, I'm sorry, are my cats making very much noise right now? Yeah. Because they're doing some weird stuff. Yeah, Max is standing Sounds on... Sounds like t- they're p- 
pawing at the dishes. Yeah, he's so I've got a casserole dish wedged against my cabinet so that they can't open it. Because uh-huh. um, I'm too cheap to figure out how to properly cat-proof it. And so he's like standing on that casserole dish trying to figure out how to jump up to where his mom is in the windowsill. <laughs> but he's too much of a weenie to do it. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. What? He's just little. Well, I mean, he's big, but he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Welcome to the Lydia's Cats podcast. No, all you need for that is to just follow me on Twitter. It's like 24-7 cat feed all the time. I've basically cat. trained a webcam on my cats via my Twitter feed. The webcam is manually operated. Yeah. It's very, it's um, very, very low res. Yeah. So now we go back to PM with her mailbox crown. Uh, and she does not want to rule, but it's too late, and her name is now the Prospician Monarch, which is so sweet. It is. And uh, um, WQ sees that she's uh, struggling with her new position, and, and she says, "You know, you don't have to. You don't have to wear the crown. The crown. A queen is the sum of her decisions, not her fashion accessories. And uh, and you know, you can surround yourself with advisors. You don't have to do this alone." And so PM thinks about it, and uh, she, what? Takes a stamp off a letter and puts it on w, WQ. She's like, that's my insignia now. You're, you're my advisor. It's really sweet. It's cute. And the stamp has is has the, uh, like, the sun insignia. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, the comic passes the Bechdel test, which, I mean, it, it did probably thousands of pages ago, but... Um, <laughs> But I just, as I was reading that conversation, I was just like, passes the Bechdel test with flying colors. This is beautiful. Nice. Ladies having a conversation about something that has absolutely fuck all to do with boys or romance <laughs> or anything. It's just, just a, it's just a conversation about ruling, but it's ladies yeah. that are bug people even. <laughs> that passes the bug gel test. Yeah. God damn it. Um, okay, so this is when the actual foyer scene goes down. Uh, Jade goes in there, and, uh, she's like, alright, it's, uh, super empty. Why is that? JK, don't tell me, because your voice is horrifying. And she goes to her atrium. Yeah, uh, which is also not great, mm-hmm. uh, seeing as it's covered in snow. Mm-hmm. And outdoors now. Uh, and also her alchemy stuff is smashed up, mm-hmm. which sucks. Um, so... Now Dave contacts her, because he's been woken up, uh, and it turns out he's on the snow planet as well, mm-hmm. and he's super cold, and he's like, hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find somewhere warm, yeah. and then, and then he's like, oh, yeah, it took me a few hours, but I found somewhere warm, also I have time <laughs> travel powers. <laughs> Which Jade just thinks is the coolest thing. Also, they have a super yeah. sweet moment where they talk about snow, and neither of them has seen snow before right now. Yeah. It's really cute. And, yeah, it is. Dave is shitting and on snow, and he thinks it's... He, he thinks, thinks it's, lava's better. Yeah. Uh, snow's and a big, like, chilly carpet of nobody gives a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Like Old Man Winter spread around his nasty mayonnaise and turned the landscape into his personal asshole sandwich. Mm-hmm. They're really cute. They make a lot of jokes with each other. Dave and Jade are really, really cute. And Jade is really funny. 
and Jade is funny when she gets a chance to like not be freaked out or like expositioning. Right. Right. Which I think she will increasingly get also as the comic goes on. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, what she's kind of saying now is like, oh, you guys like all have your powers, like. You do, you're doing all this cool time travel stuff. Rose is apparently, like, being a dark mage or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John is now unlocking his wind powers. And I'm just getting started. And Dave's like, don't worry, you're going to get the hang of it soon. Yeah. I know, because I know, I'm from the future. <laughs> right, he literally is from several hours in the future, which is why he is able to be... Jade's server player. There's a bunch of other stuff that's going down right now that has to do with setting Jade. Basically, Jade gets a machine that allows her to do alchemy despite her stuff being destroyed. And then there's like blah 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 lots of stuff about captcha codes that honestly is not relevant. Um, I can tell you. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting. Okay. Well, you ran it down for us so, then. Well, basically, um, Dave just asks her to uh, pop down a machine that lets that like scans captcha codes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what's the point of that? Isn't the point of CAPTCHA codes that it's only human-readable and machines can't read it? And he's like, yeah, well, there are some CAPTCHA codes that are just, like, too garbled for a human to read, and you need, like, a barcode scanner. Um, And he thinks that the point of those is, like, to have items that it would be unfair uh, to have, like, duplicatable in the game. Right, right. and actually what he wants to do is duplicate, duplicate, du, 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 duplicate. You said it right the first time. Or at least his, it sounded right. It wasn't in, right in my mouth. Duplicate his server disk. Oh, thank you for writing your mouth wrong. <laughs> you mouthed it right. Um, <laughs> um, and that, But then he kind of, they make a joke about like, oh, and now that there's like a, a bot that, like, a bot-capable capture reader, all the robots are gonna, like, get a hold of a flower pot and make a billion copies of it or something. Yep. Like, basically, like, I don't know, like a a Grey Goo joke or something. A hoo-ha? Grey Goo? Grey Goo? Like, um, the apocalyptic condition of nanobots converting everything into gray goo because they're uh, not programmed to stop. That just sounds like a French version of a popular pasta sauce brand. <laughs> okay. Or like... I, I see what... Like, you know, like if that pasta sauce were bought out by a man... Sauce, ragu? I don't know what pasta sauce... Ragu? Yeah. Is that a brand? I thought that was a kind of pasta sauce. Well, so R-A-G-H-U is a type of pasta dish, but then R-A-G-U with an accent is a... Okay. I'm not going to cast dispersions on it because I think it's probably somebody's favorite favorite out there. Um, Personally, it is not my favorite, Um, but it is a highly popular brand. Okay. It's some generic-ass shit. Sure. Is is what I have to say about it. What were we saying? Uh, that uh, Dave is bringing on the machine apocalypse by uh, giving Ro- uh, by giving Jade a computer that can read captchas. Kind of. 
pretty good much. enough. Yeah. Um, I'm be- I, it's not like I'm, I'm making a joke or anything. Oh, no, it's just it's she gives him the machine. Other way around. Um, uh, what's, what's going on? Uh, there's a autistic. Yeah, there's a slur. And then, um, Dave points out that he, you know, it's totally fine in reality for him to become Rose's server player because he's future Dave. Past Dave is keeping Rose locked down. He's Rose's server player. Um, Mm -hmm. But Dave... So John's already fulfilled his obligation to be Jade's server player by bringing her into the game, period. But now there's no problem if, you know, this future Dave has to sort of babysit her environment. Because she's already in the medium. And And John's kind of busy right now. And John is kind of busy right now. And because Rose, he knows now, will sort of check out and not need any servering before mm-hmm. Dave, her server player, becomes present Dave, who is, as far as that Dave is concerned, future Dave, um, who has, you know, free time and energy to be Jade's server player. Make sense? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, then she's about to do her alchemy montage, but um, Hussie's like, it's not Christmas yet. Mm-hmm. So, which I believe... Um, traditionally, like, those big alchemy montages would take place on Christmas, um, uh, which is why they're okay. like, it's not, uh, it's not Christmas yet. I see. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, Dave is, you know, he's just woken up and he's taking stock of the, uh, croc situation. Yeah, so this is, uh, past Dave. Right, uh, past, uh, present Dave. Past, present Dave. Yeah. Um, who just wakes up after getting a gunshot right beside his head. Um, takes back his, uh, shades from the crocodile, uh, but he lets it keep the sword. That's S-O-R-D dot dot dot. Dot dot. Um, which is the, uh, Sweetbrown Halogef prototype sword that is, like, a JPEG artifact. It's, like, made of Um, JPEG artifacts. Yeah. Um, and then Rose catches him up on... Uh, what she's been hearing from the old gods, yeah. and what and what he and asks him what he saw slash heard when he took his shades off on Durst and looked towards them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he says is that he heard a plea for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Rose says, um, "Yeah, they're reaching out to you." Um, because they're being massacred across all of space and time and all realities. Right, uh, which is important ri- to know. Yeah, because in the Outer Rim, uh, time and space don't work properly like they do in universes because it is outside of all the universes. It is like an underlying stratum. Mm-hmm. To be clear, it's. I think it's fine if we use these terms interchangeably, but... Paradox space. So, the old gods live in the furthest ring. The outer rim is 100% just a really sensible term that's, it's just from Star Wars. It's from Star Wars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, totally, my bad. Also, I was watching some, like, Star Wars lore videos earlier. Ooh, nice. It is totally 
why that was in my head. Yeah, so, like, my one big takeaway from the Star Wars lore that I learned is I actually looked at a map of the galaxy when I was, like, just old enough to know, like, I was in, like, deep in my star phase, and I looked at the map of the Star Wars galaxy, and my dude, like, the whole, like, Outer Rim thing, they're like, oh, like, we don't really know what's going on out there, and, like, that's also, like, like, it's shaped exactly like the Milky Way, and FYI, heads up, the Earth is in the Outer Rim of the Milky Way galaxy, so it's, like... George Lucas's like sly little way of saying like this could be your galaxy. We say it's far, <laughs> far away, but woo. Yeah, that's silly. It like rocked my entire world when I was eight years old. When I was, I was still waiting for my Hogwarts letter at that age. So like, damn, you still had a ways to go. I know. Still had years of anticipation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but basically, um, Rose lays out this plan that. Uh, will help the old gods. Or like, oh, oh. That's Phoebe. I don't know why she's been so vocal today. Hi, Phoebe. Yeah, she's, she's very chatty. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rose is, lays out this plan that she's come up with with the old gods and someone else uh, where basically Dave is going to have to uh, talk to the old gods to... Uh, plot a course through the furthest ring to get to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to need his time powers for that because the outer, ri- outer rim <laughs> furthest ring is uh, messed up in terms of time and space. Um, but basically, they need to plot a course to the green sun. Uh, and here it, we're finally told... Uh, that it is the power source of the First Guardians. I think that was a little spoiler that I kind of let slip. At the beginning of this episode? No, I think I might have said it a while ago, but... I didn't remember it. Okay. But, I mean, it was, there was obviously a connection. Yeah, they're the same the color. color. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she asks... Sorry, he asks how big a star it is. is he, he's like, is it twice the size of the sun? Is it, like, Jupiter-sized? Uh, and she says it's nearly twice the mass of our universe, <laughs> which is it big, which is which is in, unfathomably big, mm-hmm. and I feel kind of patronized that Hussey would just throw around that kind of scale. You think so? Yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It's like I guess you don't know that much about it but it's like the pokodex entries that are like oh arcanine has a tail that's a million degrees and basically the idea is that it's like 10 year olds writing these things down and they're just like exaggerating because they're like wow this thing is strong enough to lift 10 elephants oh that's really cute it is but it's just like you throw out like a ridiculous number because you just want to like because it's so big Whereas t- nearly twice the size of our the mass of our universe is a an unfathomable but precise figure that I, I'm just I don't know why I'm so pissed off about that. I I totally see why you would hate it, but I love it. But I see exactly why you would hate it because it is so totally like you know what I mean. There's no reason it has to be a completely unfathomable yet very precise measurement do you know what i mean yeah the author somehow lording over the fact that like 
he thinks that he's conceptualized that and like you yeah, exactly. reader have to wrap your boggled mind around it. Exactly. Uh, Except I fucking love that. I will be your aunt any day. I will be your and audience. Also, and also, if that is like a real sun made of hydrogen, nah. it would be like... Impossible. Physically impossible. Mm-hmm. It would be like a black hole with a... With a thing, yeah, a point the size of singularity, like, a singularity the size of like a galaxy. Well, so which is fathomable. I mean, a singularity is by necessity infinitely small, but it might have an event horizon. The size of a galaxy. I can't believe I just fucking corrected you on that. I'm garbage and I'm sorry. No, thank you. That's what I meant. Um, Throw this ham in the trash. It's gone bad. Space hams from space. We're the space hams. Watch out. We're the space hams. We just like ranted about astrophysics. Hey, listen, like, that's why I, that's, like, why I like this. Because it's, like, (laughs) it's seriously, like, it, like, scratches my, like, Lovecraftian itch. But, like, A isn't written by, like, well, as much of a racist. And then, (laughs) um, yeah, I went there. Sorry. Um, and then, uh, it also, like, is funny. Yeah, it's fine. Um... Oh, so yeah, so so the the the, uh, the Durst Dreamer kids want to get out to the Green Sun. Well, Rose wants to get out to the Green Sun. Um, well, for reasons, right? So she's going to need John to fully realize his wind powers in order to get her the tumor, which she will need before she goes out to the Green Sun. Right, and it is this thing that is uh, growing on Skya, mm-hmm. and we see actually in we see the fully prototype Skya. Which is this, like, almost like a 3D extruded spirograph. Like a spirograph in three dimensions. Yeah, I it's forgot like... that we hadn't seen it yet. I think we have, but it's and been so, in brief so flashes. The thing is that, yeah, so the thing is that I think we saw it as, like, a quote-unquote globe mm-hmm. in Doc Scratch's house. <laughs> but that might have been, like, a different one that was, like, the one that would be prototyped 12 times in the Trolls universe. Which I don't remember if that was a different... Skya. I don't recall. I mean, it, okay. it is, there's a different instance of it every time. Right, but is it, like, shaped the same as this? I think so. When it's fully, okay. I think so. At least just for visual convenience, because you can't really make anything look much higher dimensional than that without just it being, you know what I mean, inscrutable to yeah. the viewer. Right. Which, I mean, you know, don't put it past him. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, so she says, like, we need John to get this thing off Skya. Uh, and Dave's like, what is it? And Rose is like, don't tell John, but it's a bomb. And it is designed, we think, I think it's designed to uh, obliterate a null session. Mm-hmm. Right, that's one hypothesis. Rose says she doesn't really know why it's a bomb, but that's one of the hypotheses, hypotheses she puts forward is that you know, normally in the center of Sky, that would be where the new universe would be created, but in this case, it's a bomb. Mm-hmm. Because their session is null. Yeah. 
Um, and so she says that she wants it because, and she needs uh, Dave to plot a course to the Green Sun because she's going to uh, deliver the tumor to the Green Sun and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says this is a suicide mission. And Dave is like, uh, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, and she's like, oh, no, don't worry. It's for my dream self. And he's like, oh, okay, they're expendable. Pretty much, yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, Dave has to be pretty flippant about uh, self-death because of, uh, you know, the consequences of his own time travel. Which doesn't necessitate his own death, but it's just a consequence he always has to think about. And it definitely has necessitated it, or, like, resulted in it before. Yeah. So it's... Um, Yeah. And something else that we learn that Rose has another source. Right. Dave uh, is like, why, she, does she, she says, why do you know all this? And he says, she says, well, I have, I have, uh, have other sources. I have an informant. Yeah. Uh, who is a man in another universe who wants to die. And Dave's like, wow, sounds really trustworthy. I trust him already. Yeah. And she's like, well, he like, his mission is complete and he can't die because he's a first guardian. Uh, and he wants his life to end because he's done. And so he wants to, uh, so he's, you know, he help if I, he helps me do this to, uh, get rid of our nemesis, it also kills him, which he wants. So there's really no reason to distrust him. And also I just get a feeling that he's telling the truth. Right. Which he is omitting the critical fact that so she doesn't name him or anything, uh, but she drops all of the facts that triangulate him down to Doc Scratch. She's talking to Doc Scratch. Yeah. So the employer, whose identity she does not know, if you recall, um, is a universe-destroying, like, multiverse-destroying demon. Mm-hmm. Remember? The one who's already here. So mm-hmm. it's, like, not super good that she's uh, actually trying to, you know, because Doc Scratch has to die in order for this demon to enter the world. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay, so he wants to die because his mission is complete. Yeah, that's like the whole that's the whole deal. Oh, I thought he was just being existential. Oh, okay. That might have been well It might have been a spoiler, but it's like not an important one. I don't think it's an yeah. important one. Well, it does recontextualize this entire mission, but yeah, fuck. Um, it is assume... a pretty big one, but just kind of forget. Do you want to edit that out? No. <laughs> Damn it! This is what happens I can't... when you have a past reader do this fucking podcast. Fuck! I'm gonna, like, tell the whole ending to you guys. I can't wait until we get to the part where I haven't read it, or at least don't. I, like, super don't remember it anymore, and then we can just be, like, bandying fan theories about... Instead it's of... entirely possible that he said that. When we were when we met him, that he has to die for uh, the demon to enter. Maybe. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did because I did go back and check that. So I think mm-hmm. I think he did actually. I think he did pretty much make that clear. Okay. Fuck, I'm sorry, you guys. It's okay. <sighs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Um. It will and end it's... rather soon, in fact. Early in the new year. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, at, for the end here, um, 
Rose wants Dave to go back to sleep so that he can talk to the old gods. Uh, and she suggests that he get his patron troll to trick John's patron troll his into patron. making him fall asleep. His patron troll. Patron. Yeah. Um, to fall asleep. Um, and he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, she's like, oh, haven't you noticed that we kind of like each have a patron troll? Like mine is, uh, the cool one, uh, John's is the manipulative one and yours is the weird one. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, she calls her a psychopath. Yeah. Um, and then John Dave is really like defensive of Terezi and he's like, She's really cool, and we make unparalleled shitty comics together. <laughs> Whereas Rose is insinuating that there's feelings. Right. Because, like, these interspecies relationships are kind of red. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Dave is like, Dave doesn't know who her is, and he's like, is it the, ju- the Juggalo one? <laughs> and she's like... There's a Juggalo one? And he's like, yeah, see what I mean? There's way too many of them. Yeah. Uh, And then he signs off by saying, I'll be over here paving the way for your elaborate dream suicide. Hey, it's not wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, uh... That's the end of that reading. Do we have any questions? No. No preguntas? No preguntas. Que lastima. Oh... Um, so if you want to send us a question, you can send us a question. We are hamstakepodcast.tumblr.com. We also are on Twitter. We are at hamstakepodcast. If you got spoilers, hit me up. I'm Brickchip on Tumblr and Twitter. And I'm Crunchleaf on Twitter and Leaf Crunch on Tumblr. Yeah. Don't actually hit me up on Tumblr. I'm pretty sure I'm just sort of pretending I don't have As far as I can tell, you haven't been there for months. I, like, I'll log in occasionally, but I don't touch anything. Like, I'll log in, like, every, like, three to four weeks and just be like, oh, that's right, I hate this website. (laughs) I've been having a better time with it lately. Yeah? It feels like a lot of, like, vitriolic shit has either died down or I've just unfollowed the people who were presenting it to me. Nice. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it kind of just feels like a nice, like, like a really nicely curated art magazine that also, for some reason, has personal updates and jokes from your friends. Nice. Mine's mostly, like, animal vines. Ooh. Well. And Pokemon jokes. Vines? Still? Is Vine still up? Vine? Okay, this is a misconception. Vine isn't, Vine isn't being deleted. They're just stopping support of the app. So you can't make new vines, but the old vines are still there. Whoa. Wait, I love that. It's this, like, aging... Reminds me of um, the garden that the... the Not the Pevensey. I think it is the Pevensey children from the Chronicles of Narnia. They go back, and it's, like, you know, 500 years later in Narnia, even though they've been gone for about two years. And, like, they go through this, like, crumbling, ruined garden, and it's, like, that, but with vines. Wait, are you talking about... Because what I'm thinking of is the, um... Did you read the, um, Magician's Nephew? Like, the prequel one? Yeah. 
it's like that's the there's the world that's like this like dead city under like a red sun that's completely still and they go into this hall and there's these like wax figures and chairs um and they like wake one of them up and it's this queen and they escape like they take her out of the world that's about to like it's crumbling around them yeah and it's just like black and white with a red sun um oh cool i'm gonna have a nightmare about that later (laughs) It's so striking. Oh my god, I haven't thought about this in so long. Yeah. But it was such a striking image. Yeah. Oh man, I might go back and reread those books, actually. Those are, yeah, they're worth a read. Yeah. They're, they're good literature. They're real good. Um, but so, the book I'm actually thinking of, I believe, is Prince Caspian. With the, uh... With the voyage? What, gar- what garden? Uh, it's just, it's sort of a throwaway thing at the beginning, but it's, they, they, they make their way back to Narnia, and, uh... It's this throwaway scene as they're getting back to the castle or, like, finding the oh. contact or whoever it is. Oh, There's yeah. There's a ruined garden. Damn. Right. Like, yeah. Like, the place that's like, oh, yeah, this is where we, like, sat and had dinner. And now there's, like, a rose bush. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A vine. That makes sense. A vines, I see. Yeah. Like, plants. It's true. That's the episode. That's the episode. I'm not planning on being ridiculously swamped next week, so hopefully we'll actually have another episode next weekend. But um, either-wise, either-wise, sure, why not? Either-wise. It'll come out two weeks from now, probably. Uh, You'll see it eventually. We'll see you soon. And when we do, we are going to read pages 49 to 45 through 50, 32. It will also have been more than a year since we started this fucking thing, so if you've been here that whole time, thanks. Uh, If you haven't, Thanks for joining us, and we hope it's super worthwhile. And holy shit, I can't believe we've been doing it for a year. Mm-hmm. And we're not even halfway done. Mm-mm. Although I think that's we're pretty much, you know, more or less on schedule still. And uh, what else happens? So Tavros is going to talk to Jade. John is going to talk to a bunch of locals. Um, something really cool is going to happen to him. Um... Tavros has an incredibly traumatic experience. Something really cool happens to Briska, too. And uh, somebody we haven't seen in a while comes back and uh, things wow, get interesting. Wow, I, I love this, like, stinger. What, somebody we haven't seen in a while? No, this, like, anticipation. Like, you have, you've never done this in the episode before. It's always been in the show notes. Yeah, I figured... I, well, I had the doc open, so I figured I might read it, but this might become a staple. I enjoy delivering cryptic stingers. It's mm. very satisfying. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, you guys. I mean, I feel this about a lot of episodes, but, like... Oh, man. It's like, Fuck, like, so much good shit is gonna happen. Oh! There's gonna be so Can't much, wait. like, oh! moments. I'm ready. Are you ready? I hope you're ready. I am. Awesome. All right. See you then. We'll see you guys. Bye. Bye. Stay hammy.